Well, Thursday this past week, uh, a number of us from St. Mary's joined uh, representatives from parishes across the diocese at our first in-person diocesan synod for the last three years. And it was wonderful to be back together again with our brothers and sisters from uh, across the, the wider area to hear and to celebrate what God has been doing across the diocese and how his kingdom movement has been uh, growing and continuing to advance, even in the face of the challenges that we have been experiencing over these last months and years. And and of the the many things that we celebrated together and the reports that we heard, we noted the working link between our diocese and the Diocese of Maridi in South Sudan. A few years ago, I had the wonderful opportunity to meet Bishop Moses, the Bishop of Maridi. Uh, and, and I hope that maybe someday you will too. I'd hoped that maybe I'd have been able to invite him to come and speak to you sooner, but COVID has intervened. Uh, but as I was reading the report in the book of Synod Reports, which isn't always, uh, well, it's probably more bedtime reading if you're struggling to get off to sleep. But, you know, I was reading the book of reports, as you do, And I was hearing about our diocesan link with Maridi. And something in that report caught my eye. It was the story of Reverend William Haddo. Over 100 years ago, uh, this CMS missionary named Reverend William Haddo arrived alone in the heart of Africa with a burning desire to plant the seed of the gospel in Maridi. And that's what he did, although at great sacrifice to himself. Not only had he given up everything he had known and left his life in his homeland, uh, within one year of his arrival, he had died of Blackwater fever after contracting malaria. Sadly, he didn't live to see the fruit of his labor, with the exception only of seeing eight people come to be baptized in the Christian faith through his ministry. One hundred years later, though, the Diocese of Maridi exists with seven archdeaconries, 17 deaneries, 75 parishes, 103 clergy, and over 70,000 Anglican Christians, brothers and sisters, who earlier this year celebrated together uh, their 100 years of gospel growth with over 4,000 people gathering together for a service of Holy Communion. Can you imagine that? 4,000 people gathered together to celebrate around the Lord's table with Bishop Moses, and 350 young people and adults being confirmed in the faith, some of what we see on the screen just there. Imagine that. But it all began with one man, William Haddo, who gave his life to go and tell others about the best news the world has ever known, the good news of Jesus Christ. And one by one, people came to faith like dominoes, person after person gave their life to the Lord. And and now today, Maridi is a thriving diocese in the heart of Africa. Over these uh, past nine weeks, we've been looking together at what it means to love your church. And we've looked at what it means to belong to church here at St. Mary's and the responsibilities and the roles that God wants us to step into when it comes 
uh, to being a welcoming church, a gathering church who gather together under the Word of God, caring for and serving one another and those around us with the love of Jesus Christ, under Christ-like leaders whom we honor and respect and support. Two weeks ago, we looked at Christ's call to be uh, a people who faithfully bear the witness, uh, bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ, fulfilling the commission that Jesus left us with before he returned to heaven, when he committed his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And what did he say next? And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is what we did together last week. We gathered here in this place. We celebrated what God has been doing in the life of our church and one of our families. And we celebrated Leo's baptism. And we preached the message of the gospel. And we heard about the Father heart of God. If you missed any of these messages over these last nine, eight or nine weeks, can I encourage you, go back, catch them up. You can see them all on our YouTube channel. This morning and next week, we're going to take this just a step further and sort of bring this series into land. Having thought about what it means to be a witnessing church two weeks ago, I want to think now about what it means to be a sending church. Ascending church. Because witnessing and sending are like two peas in a pod, if you like. And this morning, we're going to look at it from the standpoint of what happened in one church in the book of Acts. Because in our reading this morning from chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 13, we we hear about uh, what happened in the church of Antioch when the believers there responded to Jesus Christ and took all of this seriously for themselves. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me there in Acts chapter 11 so that you can follow along with me the flow and the movement of growth throughout the passage in this fledgling church in Antioch. And as we do, I want you to notice how the early church was marked by a people who went wherever God told them to go and sent whatever and whomever God told them to send for the sake of God's kingdom. I'll say that again. Uh, The the church was marked by a people who went wherever God told them to go and sent whatever and whomever God told them to send for the sake of God's kingdom. Verse 19, we discover that it all begins back in Acts chapter 7 and 8, where we read there about after the the killing of Stephen, the the deacon there, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, which then led to the, the believers being scattered through that persecution, scattered throughout Judea and Samaria and beyond which we soon discover is the beginning of the fulfillment of Christ's commission to his people to move out from Jerusalem, out into Samaria, and then further afield to share the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And one of the places the believers ended up in was a place called Antioch. 
And it's not hard to understand why. There's a map up on the screen. I hope that maybe you can see it. I'll, I'll point out to you here just with the, the laser. There's Antioch up there. It's 300 miles north of Jerusalem. So there's Jerusalem there. And the believers were scattered up into Syria and up into Antioch. And it's not hard to see why they might have ended up here in Antioch. Uh, because Antioch was the capital of the Roman uh, province of Syria, and the third largest Roman city in, in the Roman Empire at that time. They had about half a million people living there in one place. It was strategically placed at a, a crossroads of major highways and trade routes that were running north and south and east, and, and then it was only 30 miles away from the coast, as you can see there, that would have connected to major shipping routes and shipping lanes there in the Mediterranean Sea. And so it was perfectly placed, and it was full of all kinds of people. There were Greeks and Romans and Syrians and Phoenicians. There were Jews and Arabs and Egyptians and Africans and Indians and Asians, all different backgrounds, all different kinds of religions from all different parts of the world gathered together in one place. The place would have been filled, filled with, with idolatry. Very few people would have known about Jesus Christ. And so no more appropriate city could you have found in those days to become the venue for the first international church or the, the hub of, of international mission than this melting pot made up of people from all over the known world. As we continue to read through Acts, uh, we discover that this is exactly what it became, the first international church and the first international hub of mission. But where did it all begin? It began with believers following the call of Christ to go and make disciples. Moving out from Jerusalem uh, as a result of those persecutions, they faithfully shared the good news of Jesus with those that they met along the way. And at first we read here in, in verse 19, the beginning of our passage, that uh, they only spread the word among the, the Jews in Antioch, which is a normal pattern for mission at the start. But even then, a spark was lit. Then we read in verse 20 about some Greek-speaking Jewish Christians from Cyprus and Cyrene who also went to Antioch, and they began to share the good news of Jesus with the Gentiles as well. And in verse 21, we see what happens. That spark was fanned into flame. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people there believed in the Lord. And hearing what happened in Antioch, the mother church in Jerusalem, way down here, heard all about it, and so they sent Barnabas up to discover the truth of the matter, to validate what had happened, to endorse this new move of God in Antioch, and to encourage the believers there in that place, to help them grow in their faith with his wise pastoral care, verse 22. And the result was that not only were the believers encouraged, but it was like Barnabas poured petrol on the fire of their faith, and through his ministry, a great number of, pe of people uh, were brought to the Lord. The fire of faith was spreading. And realizing that he needed help, Barnabas then went to Tarsus to send for 
Saul or Paul as he became known. And verses 25 and 26, we read uh, all about it because who else better could you think of to come and to help him to disciple those young Christians, to teach them in the faith in the great teacher himself, Paul, with his intellectual brilliance and his wonderful learning of the scriptures. And so verse 26 tells us that together for a whole year, Barnabas and, and Saul, or Paul as, as we know him, uh, met with the church there. They taught a great number of people there about Jesus, and they helped them to grow in their relationship with Christ. And as a result, the fire's glow that came off the church there uh, just grew and grew, and the warmth attracted others to follow Jesus as well. But we also read that some unbelievers began to, 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 to look in at what was going, and they recognized that something was different. Something strange was happening here, something different. It was attractive, yes, but at the same time, this is like nothing else that they had seen before. And you know what they did? They began to brand these people Christians. They called them Christians. The first time ever, the followers of Jesus were called Christians in Antioch which simply means little Christs. And as a result, the disciples were called Christians and have been known as Christians since. Now, did you catch that as we follow the flow of Scripture there just in, in chapter 11 of Acts? Luke's account uh, of what happened in Antioch is full of movement. People went places or else they were, they were sent or sent for. And it was all about sharing the good news of Christ. All in response to the news that they had received and experienced for themselves, that they had encountered Jesus and their lives had been changed. And that's what happens when, when you encounter the living God. Not only does it change your life, but it changes your reason for living, your whole life's purpose as well. And we become a people who are sent out into the world, willing to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, for his namesake. And so in this sense, what we see happening here in, in Antioch is, is nothing unique. We see it all through the, the, the story of the early church. It's what's happened over and over again, in fact, through the history of God's people right back in the beginning. People encountered the living God. Their lives were changed, and as a result, they followed a new path, giving wherever God led them, going wherever God led them to go, giving whatever God led them to give, and becoming a people that were sent into the world on fire for God. Think right back to the beginning, from, from Abraham to Joseph to Moses to the prophets, to John the Baptist, to the 12 disciples and the 72 who were sent out with them that we'll hear about next week to the early church, to you and me today. And with the church in Antioch, we, we see the perfect example of, of, of this, of what happens when people meet, when they encounter the living God for themselves, when their lives are changed, their whole direction is changed, and they become a new people with a new mission. To tell as many people as they can about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to follow in his footsteps and to follow his call on their lives. 
And as we see in the story of Acts unfolding, we see it happened again and again because look at what happens next. We discover uh, that this church that was born out of Christians who had been sent out into the world in order to tell others about Jesus now becomes a sending church itself. First, they send financial help back to Jerusalem to help the church there who found themselves in the teeth of a famine. And and then we discover that they send others out to tell of the good news of Jesus Christ further afield. Chapter 13, we read how having experienced the ministry of, of Paul and Barnabas in their midst, they now follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and they commission Paul and Barnabas to go out on a missionary journey together. And we see all the lines on the screen here of of where it starts. It starts in Antioch, and it goes on and on, and away they go, sharing the good news of Christ wherever they went. Having been blessed by receiving the good news of Jesus, they choose to be a blessing to others. They didn't want to hold it to themselves. They didn't want to hoard it for themselves. And they give sacrificially. They first give of their money to help another church that found itself in need. And secondly, they give sacrificially of themselves. They send their best leaders. They send their best people to go and to share the good news of Christ with others so that others would come to experience the goodness and the blessing of of God for themselves, the freedom of the good news of the freedom from captivity of sin and guilt and shame to be brought into this new living relationship with God himself. Do you see it? The early church was marked by a people who went wherever God told them to go and sent whatever and whomever God told them to send for the sake of his kingdom. People who encounter God for themselves become a sent and sending people. We can't help but share with others what we've experienced for ourselves, sharing the blessing that we have received in Jesus Christ. But of course, why should any of this surprise us? Because being called a Christian is just being called a little Christ. And this is what Jesus calls each of us to become, more and more like him. And who was he? Well, he was the one whom God the Father sent from all eternity to enter into our world and to rescue us, his children, from sin and sin's consequences in our lives so that all who believe in him would not die separated from his love for all eternity, but would be brought into that new and living relationship with him, into his presence, that place that we were made for, for all of eternity. And having returned to the Father, Jesus now sends his Holy Spirit so that you and I can encounter the living God for ourselves right here, right now, this morning, today so that his promise to be with us always, even to the very end, would be fulfilled. Do you see it? Our God is ascending God, who sends his very best, sends his own Son, and who then sends his Spirit, and who now sends his people into the world 
to partner with him in the work that he is doing and has been doing right from the very beginning. To restore what was lost through sin and sin's consequences. To bring his people back into the, the light and the, and the life with him that we were made for now and forever. And this is the exciting part because as we come to the end of Acts, you keep reading a few chapters, you come to the very end of Luke's account in Acts, which records the history of the early church. You see there, you come to the last few verses and it comes as it to this abrupt end. And it's like the, the world's first to be continued. I don't know how you feel about to be continued at the end of your favorite television program or whatever. I don't particularly like them because I just want to keep going. But there's, it's like there's a to be continued at the end of Acts as it's written on the final page. And that's because Luke wants us to see that now it's our turn. It's your turn. It's my turn to take up our part. Having received Christ for ourselves, we now become the sent ones who share what we have to bless the world with the good news of Jesus. Where does it all begin? It begins in your heart and in mine, where you realize that God has a call on your life and that you have a part to play. He's calling you to enter into his story, to see reality as he sees it, because being a sent people assumes that we now see the world differently. We see it as God sees it. What we see out there around us and the physical is not all that there is. And so we're not living just for what we see around us. We're not living just to get a nicer home or a nicer car or have nicer holidays and nicer stuff in this world. We're not living to try to find fulfillment in relationships or status or position or, or wealth or fame or popularity because we know that all that stuff won't last. We know that there is so much more. There is so much more to come more life to be had in Christ than any of those other things in this world can give. And so now we live for him. And like matchsticks set alight, we are sent out into the world with the hope and prayer that through living faithfully for Jesus, we'll set fire to others' lives as well as we share with them the good news of Jesus and the hope that we have. And they come to know Jesus for themselves so that another domino falls. And then another domino falls. And then another. It can happen right on your doorstep. It can happen in your home. It can happen on your street. It can happen at your work. It can happen at your gym. It can happen in the clubs or societies that you are a part of. It can happen as you respond to the call of God in your life to go wherever he leads you to speak to whoever he puts in your path. Maybe God is calling some of us here this morning to go further afield. At the very least, he's calling each of us to be mindful of missions out there, both here at home and abroad. As we pray for others, as we financially support and, and give and, and take part in gospel ministry near and far, and as we send others out, to be a blessing to our world. And of course, when we think about this, there's both an individual aspect, something for you to do that you alone can do, and there's something that we do together as a church. 
And so as we close, I just ask you, how are you doing with being sent out into your world, the places that God takes you, with taking opportunities not just to live for Jesus Christ, but to share with your mouth the good news of Jesus with others? How are you doing with supporting the church as we follow Christ's call to be ascending church as well? Then as a church, you might be encouraged to know, uh, for some of you who are newer to us, that it is our policy as a church here at St. Mary's to give away at least 10% of the money that we receive through our offering plate, which sits over there currently until we get back to handing it around on Sundays. We give away 10% of the money we receive on the offering plate and through standing orders uh, of those gifts that are not designated towards the building fund or not designated for other purposes. 10% of that money goes away to missions at home or abroad. In addition, at various points in the year, we've offered different opportunities to, to give to help our brothers and sisters across the world in targeted ways in response to particular needs or emergencies as they arise. Your generosity in your regular giving month by month, as well as your giving on those special occasions as you're able to help meet needs as it arises, is, is part of how we work out all of these things in our lives, how we share the blessing that we have received with others around as individuals and as a church. Last year, um, we sent some of our best people, just like they did here in, in Antioch. We sent some of our best people, Kyle and Susanna Harris, to minister in Moira Parish, to bless them and to become part of God's plan to evangelize and witness to that area of our country. And we rejoice that Kyle has just been officially commissioned as a diocesan evangelist last month. And we know uh, that God will continue to bless him in his ministry there and pray that he will help him to carry out his work wherever he leads Kyle and Susanna. We know that Susanna is also being a great blessing to them as well uh, through her many gifts and talents, especially in music. This past year, we helped send Megan to Uganda to serve with EMI. And again, if you want to hear about her experience there, her story, come back this evening at 7 o'clock. We are ascending church and yet, I'd love to be even more intentional and more strategic in the days ahead. And so, in addition to what we're already doing, I'd like to put together a little mission team over the course of, of these next months and before the end of the year, at least, that could look at our sending and, and our missions connections and, and help us to be more intentional about supporting and praying for them and becoming even more sending as a church in the days ahead. If you're interested in maybe being a part of that group or knowing just what it's about or what's going to do, come and speak to me afterwards. Let me know. Recently, the bishop in his 10-year vision launched a, a church planting and a church rejuvenation fund for our diocese to look at ways of supporting other churches, other parishes and church plants in our diocese that are just starting off or that uh, need help to rekindle the flame, the fire, the passion of Christ in their own community. And as a select vestry, we're looking 
uh, into to those two funds and how we as a church might be able to help out and to give in, into those funds in, in the future. And of course, in all of this, our desire is simply this, to align ourselves more and more with the will of God. To be part of the answer to that prayer that we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth through me, through us, as it is in heaven. So that through our lives, through our witness, through the witness of our church, we will all become dominoes in the chain reaction that was set off by Jesus some 2,000 years ago so that being set alight for Christ, we see God's kingdom come, his will being done more and more in our lives and our world today. As dominoes in God's hands, I hope that's how you see yourself. As dominoes in God's hands, let's be a people who are committed to sending and being sent for Jesus that more and more people might come to know our king through us and make, uh, be, be those who, who come to know him and make him known. If you're wondering where to start, along with creating that list that I invited you to create two weeks ago uh, 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 of people that you are praying for that would come to Christ, pray that God would give you a bigger heart for them and for people like them. People who are far from God and need to encounter the living God for themselves. Pray that God will, will grow your heart for the lost. People who are, who are without God, both here in our own community and, and far off. Ask God to show you a particular mission agency or a people group that he wants you to pray for. And commit yourself to praying for them and supporting them in whatever ways God shows you to do, maybe financially or, or otherwise. If you don't know where to start, the Bangor Worldwide Missionary Convention is coming up in August, and we've advertised that before. Uh, go along. The dates will come up, uh, I'm sure, on the screen and the announcement loop and, and things. But go along to the, to the Missionary Convention in August. Have your eyes opened to what God is doing in the world. Be inspired by how God's kingdom continues to advance, even in far-off places. How lives are being transformed by Christ. How one after the other dominoes continue to fall. And how as you enter into God's big story, you can become part of that. Your life can bear witness to the glory and the goodness and the majesty of King Jesus. You can bear witness through your life, through your actions, your words, your deeds, through your giving, through your simply being, to the blessing, the difference that Christ has made in you. You can be part of the work here and supporting the church in whatever way possible so that together we can be a sent people who are sending our best into the world just as God sent his best and only son Jesus so that many might be saved. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus. 
we thank you that when we were still far off from you, you didn't hold back. Even when we were stuck and we were dead in our sins, you didn't turn away from us. But in your love, Heavenly Father, you sent your one and only Son into this world in order to die for us. And having returned to you in heaven, he has sent his Holy Spirit so that now we can live with you every day. We can encounter you right now. We can know your presence at work in our lives and we can bear your presence into this world. And as we think more and more about what does that mean? How can we live like that? We pray that you would open us up to your Holy Spirit. Father, even right now, we invite you to come and meet with us. Speak to us. Challenge us. Draw us to yourself. And as we encounter you, we pray, Lord God, that our lives would be changed forever. And that you would help us by your spirit to follow in Jesus' footsteps and to become those willing ambassadors for Christ that we were always meant to be. Declaring the good news, the glory of God to all nations, to those near and far. And Lord, we pray that you would make our lives like dominoes that you would set us aflame and help us to be fires that burn brightly in the darkness and set others aflame for Jesus as we share the good news we've received and word and deed, all for the glory of King Jesus. We pray this in his precious name.